welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Luke, you did a great job, but you missed two key things out about being a dad. Um, one is dad jokes. Oh, there you are. You know, it's good, but you know, one of the great things about being a dad is you get to make dad jokes, such as when your son or daughter say to you, they say, I'll call you later. Don't call me later, I prefer dad. You know, that's a dad joke. It's got to be, it's got to be really, really bad. It usually is dressed up as wisdom. You know, you know why scuba divers sit on the edge of the boat and fall over backwards? Because if they fell forwards, they'd land in the boat. That's a dad joke. You see, they're really, really groanly. It's like, I gave all my dead batteries away today. Absolutely free of charge. <laughs> are they dad jokes or are they dad jokes? You, you are in danger because, of course, I can actually make granddad jokes, which are probably another grown-up, you know? How many apples grow on the tree? All of them. But then, as well as dad jokes... You get to do dad dancing. Anyway, you should see what I look like in my head. It's amazing. In fact, if you could see what I look like in my head, you would think I was amazing. But yes, Luke... Welcome to the world of dad dancing, and one day I pray, in God's name, you will progress to granddad dancing. You've seen our dad dancing. <laughs> Would you like to give a demo, Dad? <laughs> Do you make dad jokes? <laughs> Luke's, Luke's song, uh, it was right. The Lord does rejoice over you with singing and dancing. He was an exact picture of God and you. And I was looking at the, the lyrics in his song. I can't remember the tune, sorry. But on the night you came into my life, when I first looked in your eyes and saw a twinkle just like mine, I was hypnotized. You make all of my efforts worthwhile, and it comes as no surprise that the sparkle in your smile holds me mesmerized. That is God the Father. When he sees us, he's mesmerized. It makes it all worthwhile when we look back at him. You see... If you're not used to listening to about the Bible and I talk to you about Adam and Eve, you might think, well, that's just a fanciful tale. But even if it is, fanciful tales teach a lot of truth. I happen to think it's not. But it is telling something really important. And one of the things that it tells that's really, really important is that when God made humankind, it was because he wanted to and he wanted a relationship with them. And it says that... After they'd rebelled, after they'd sinned, they were hiding behind a bush. I always think this is quite funny, because if you, if you, you know, humans are not always that wise, but the idea that you can hide from the creator of the universe behind a bush is pushing it. But uh, God comes looking for them in the garden, as he normally does, it says in the cool of the evening. And uh, he says, where are you? And... The English doesn't do a very good job because it was originally written in Hebrew. And in the Hebrew, there is agony in the words, in the way they're translated. It's, a, it's not, where are you? He knows they're behind the bush. It's, 
Where are you in our relationship together? A bit like Luke's song anticipates the great relationship that he is going to have. I promise you here in this song I will teach you right from wrong, do my best to help raise you up strong and feel like you belong. And I hope that you live your dreams, find the love of your life just like me, and I hope in time you'll see what you mean to me. Again, that's just, God could write those about you. I don't know if you knew you were being prophetic, Luke, but you were, mate. Where are you? Because the relationship are broken. And it's Adam that replies, and he says, I was afraid. I was naked and afraid and ashamed, so I hid from you. What turned a perfectly great relationship into one that was broken? See, a lot of people think, oh, they got kicked out of the garden because they were punished. Actually, what God did was remove them from the garden before that separation became permanent because he wanted to make sure the way was still open for restoration to each other. And then he made them a set of clothes. Doesn't sound like an angry cross judge to me when he keeps you safe and makes you a set of clothes and tells you what you've got to do next, survive outside of the garden. But the agony in God's voice, the relationship was broken. And of course, like any good father... He set in motion a plan. This book here, it's basically a love song. That's why so many songs have been inspired by it. It's a love song from God to people saying, I love you. Come, let's walk together in the core of the garden again, like, like humankind once did. Because I want to be with you. But we actually then end up, if we're not careful, and many people do, we hide from God. I was naked and afraid. Basically, with inside us, we know if there was a God, we probably don't live up to what he wanted us to live up with. So we get afraid and we try and hide from him, just like Adam did. It's futile. He's still there saying, come. So his answer was to come and walk on the earth. There was a, a, a song in the mid-90s. What if God was one of us? Just a slob like one of us. Travelling home, I can't remember the rest, on the bus, trying to get home. Did I just call God a slob? Yep. Because if you want to find God, you'll find him in the slob. You'll find him in every down and out. You'll find him in every child. You'll find him in every person next to you. If you want to know, she asked later in the song, the singer's called Joan Osborne, I think. If you want to look later in the song, she says, do you want to see God's face? Because if you saw his face, you might have to believe in Jesus in heaven and all that stuff, she basically thinks. And yet you can see the face of God when you look at a person. Even the slob on the bus. But of course, Jesus was just one of us. I saw it written once that describing God as some kind of cosmic child abuser because he sent his son to die on the cross. Well, firstly, Jesus was no child, he was a fully consenting adult. But actually, the complication with God is it wasn't just God sending someone, it was God himself coming. There was no sending someone else because he didn't want to go through it. 
There is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but it's just God, and God came and walked on the earth to show people what his face looked like, what he would do if he was walking amongst us. And so we see the stories of the people coming to Jesus and getting the help they need and the healings that happened. Jesus told one story to illustrate the love of the Father. It's a very well-known one. It's called, usually, the parable of the prodigal son. Do you remember that one? He sends off, his son says, I want all my inheritance, I'm going off. He spends it all. But there's a key into that. The son does start to come back, wondering if he could be taken on as one of the servants. But it says, the father was looking out. The father was looking out. Just like God in the garden was looking for Adam, the the father is looking for the return of his children. And the son son was walking back like this. Because it then says that God ran down the road and threw his arms around him and hugged him and welcomed him back into the family. The son thought he couldn't go back. He felt ashamed of what he'd done. He felt frightened of what the father would do. He felt kind of naked. He knew he'd totally ruined his life. What was the father's response? To run down the road and hug them. And anyone who turns to God the Father through Jesus, he runs towards you. There's no need to be afraid. There's no need to feel naked. There's no need to be afraid. There's no need to be ashamed. Because all of that was dealt with in what Jesus did. There's no time to go through that part of the story this morning. But Jesus came to make sure that the whole situation could be reversed. And there is now a door that is wide open saying, come in, come in, come and eat with me. You're welcome at this table. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know, you've heard that Christians talk about, oh, you've got to repent. Yeah, you have. It means change your mind. That's what the original Greek word means. It means change your mind that you are naked. Change your mind that you need to live ashamed. Change your mind that you need to live in fear. Because although if God existed as holy and mighty and glorious and wonderful, there is a sense in which we would be naked before him. He clothes us. Just like he clothed Adam and Eve when they left the garden, he clothes us so that we can be before him. And he wipes away the fear and the shame, and all the things that have been wrong, and offers forgiveness instead, to walk again with him in newness of life. That's why it's called being born again. It wasn't a word invented by 1970s Christians. It's actually in the Gospel of John. Jesus says it. You must be born again to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It just means you will get a fresh, new life. I want to just finish something from here. This is what John wrote. John was one of the disciples that followed Jesus. He was the only disciple of the uh, disciples that followed Jesus in that original 12. He was the only one that lived and didn't, wasn't martyred. And he's writing, when you read his letters at the end of the, the Bible here, 
you're reading the letters of an old man. In the, in the Gospels, when you read his Gospel and the stories of the disciples with Jesus, John was very young at that time, and this is the, towards the end of his life, and he's um, responsible for many people. But he says this, And now, dear children, continue in him. Don't give up. Don't think it's too much. Don't think you could never be acceptable, is what he's saying, if you read earlier. When he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. This is how we know what love is, writes John. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let's not love with words or the tongue, but with actions and in truth. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as a sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever actually seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Praise God. That family covenant that we said encapsulates some of that, you see. It's no good just saying God loves you. We have to be a church that loves. I passionately believe we should not go to church. I say to you today, do not go to church. Because we have to be the church, which is the body of Christ. It's not just about a Sunday morning meeting. It's about living it. Every day of the week. And showing love and care. And not just for one another. Jesus talked to the church being a city on a hill. Or don't hide the light under a bucket. If we're going to be the light, as Jesus is the light of the world, people have got to see it. And so we pray that by the grace of God, we're very imperfect at it, that we could love one another and our community and bring the positive energy of God and see the Holy Spirit explode in this town. I'm going to just about finish there, but it would, I wouldn't be doing my job properly if I didn't finish by saying that you too can follow Jesus. There's no need to ignore him or to be ashamed or to be fearful or naked or not even sure if he exists. What if God was one of us? Well, he is. You can see him in every face. That's not God, but you can see him in every face of every human being, certainly not just Christians, for goodness sake. 
every human being. You can see God in. Whatever they are. Because we are all made in his image. But in Jesus, he then adopts us into his family. And we become one family together. If you want to follow Jesus, say yes to Jesus and become part of his family. Please come and talk to me this morning. I'll tell you how you can go on doing that. Or talk to somebody that you've come with. Discover the adventure of what it is to be part of this family and knowing Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. I can guarantee you one thing. Your life will be turned upside down. It won't be the same again. And it will be an adventure. Because everyone else here will say that too. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.